Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bosch. The number of clean diesel models in North America will double by 2014. Bosch Clean Diesel. Good. Clean. Fun. Bridgestone. Your journey. Our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems. Improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Hello and welcome to AutoLine Daily for Friday on May 4th. I'm John McElroy. Remember this blatant ripoff of a Ford F-150 from a Chinese automaker named JAC? Well, it turns out it never went into production. And that's because Ford has an arsenal of patents in China protecting its intellectual property. On AutoLine After Hours last night, Bill Coughlin, who heads up all of Ford's intellectual property, said companies can absolutely protect themselves by properly registering and patenting their IP through the correct agencies in China. In fact, Ford has never faced any kind of copycat designs in China going into production because it has properly protected itself. We've got more to report on first quarter earnings. BMW sold over 425,000 vehicles in Q1, an 11% gain over last year, and that includes Mini and Rolls-Royce. Motorcycle sales were up nearly 8%. Total revenue topped 18 billion euros, which translates to over $24 billion, and that is a 14% increase over 2011. Net profits were 1.3 billion euros, or about $1.7 billion, 18% higher than a year ago, and I say bravo BMW, that is very impressive. There sure is a lot of wiring in the typical car, and all of that copper adds a lot of weight. That's why Delphi is showing off aluminum cables. Compared to copper, aluminum wiring reduces mass 48% while achieving the same conductivity. A typical car in North America has about 25 pounds of copper cabling, so switching to aluminum would save about 12 pounds. Better yet, Aluminum is cost competitive with copper, but does not suffer from the same price volatility. Aluminum cables have really never caught on because over time, they have a tendency to become brittle and corrode at the connecting points. So Delphi developed a sealant to prevent that from happening. All week, we've been introducing you to the top officers at General Motors who are in the running in the race to replace current CEO, Dan Ackerson. Next week, I'll tell you who I think is going to win that race. But today, we have to take a look at one of the strongest contenders, Mark Royce. He brings a fascinating history to the company in that his father, Lloyd Royce, was president of GM two decades ago. You've got to believe that the father can provide the son with some pretty astute advice as to how to climb the corporate ladder. But even so, Mark Royce has done a pretty good job of that on his own. A complete gearhead, he's one of those rarities in American car companies. A senior executive who truly knows and loves product. He came up on the engineering and product development side of the business and played pivotal roles in the creation of the V-Series Cadillacs and SS Chevrolets. He is even a certified industry pool test driver on the north course of the Nürburgring. But to be a CEO at any automaker these days, you should have extensive global experience. And Royce's only assignment overseas was as chairman and managing director of Holden in Australia, but that was only for a little over a year. 
Even so, Royce runs the biggest and most profitable part of the company, and that will weigh heavily in the board's decision. On AutoLine this week, my guest is Larry Dominique from TrueCar, a company that generated quite some controversy with some dealers accusing it of stealing data from them. Steve Finley from Ward's Dealer Business and Craig Trudell from Bloomberg also joined me on the show, and here's a clip from that program. Yeah, what really happened is about four or five months ago, uh, when TrueCar went live with our advertising for the first time, uh, we became very aware in the marketplace by consumers and OEMs and dealers not on our system. We had about, at that time, about 5,500 dealers on the network, and there's 33,000 dealers in the United States. So we had about one out of six dealers in the U.S. on our system. What happened was people started to uh, pass information believing that we were inappropriately using some of their DMS data, that some of the uh, regulatory hurdles in some of the states. Anybody who deals with the automotive knows there's 50 states with 50 sets of regulations. So there was questions about bird dogging and brokering laws. Um, since then, you know, we've, we've made a significant number of changes, and we can discuss that as we go through there as well. But what happened is through this noise, uh, we had a lot of dealers not sure what was really going on. Dealer associations around the country weren't sure what was really going on. So there was a, a bit of a panic initially, um, and people coming across saying, I'm not comfortable with this, I'm going to get off your service. And we went from about 5,500 down to about 3,500 dealers. Uh, we're on our way back up again with the changes we've made. But yeah, there were some concerns at first. Well, you know what I thought was interesting is TrueCar exists because of the internet, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, TrueCar.com. And that whole controversy involving dealers was because of social media. Mm -hmm. And some dealer types are out there. I'm thinking of some activists like Jim Ziegler and um, uh, Dave Ruggles, mm -hmm. uh, Jeff uh, Kushner, who is a, a, a young guy. Looks, you know, looks, looks can be deceiving because he looks like a kind of a dumb surfer boy, but he is <laughs> smart. I mean, he understands the web. And he was the one that put together this idea of, like, what is TrueCar doing mm -hmm. exactly? They're, they're representing themselves as the advocate of the customer, and they're representing themselves as the advocate of the dealer. And where are they getting their data? You know, you mentioned the DMS, mm -hmm. which is the, the dealer management system or the, you know, the computer operating system at a dealership. TrueCar goes in there to verify that the leads that it gives to dealers for free until they're converted and then they're charged for. They go into that system to confirm that if there's a sale, then they can, you know, make the charge. And the allegation was that TrueCar was going in there to grab pricing information, and dealers were saying, "Wow, we're, you know, giving them our prices, and they're posting, you know, best price, dealer price," to the point that a lot of dealers felt there was way too much information on the web. I'm Craig Cole in the Nevada desert, test driving one of the hottest new products to see these sites in quite some time. And I'll show you the whole car right after this. Reducing exhaust emissions, airified diesel particulate filters, high filtration, low back pressure, small package size, excellent durability. DowAirify.com. Scion has always been known for its small, quirky cars, but today it is a brand in transition. And it all started late last year with the introduction of the Tiny IQ. But right now they're introducing a brand new car, one that's not only at home on the street, but also on the racetrack. The 2013 Scion FRS is a brand new vehicle to uh, Scion's lineup. It features a 2-liter Boxer engine, which has output of 200 horsepower and 151 foot-pounds of torque. The Scion FRS is also the first vehicle in the Toyota or the Scion lineup 
um, to feature uh, Toyota's D4S injection system. Um, the vehicle is also available with a six-speed manual transmission or an automatic with paddle shifters. And all Scion FRSs will come standard with a limited slip rear differential. There's everything Joe said and more for a base price of less than $25,000. And Scion believes that's the sweet spot with its largest target market, males between 21 and 50 years old. You know, really we're feeling that this car is meeting a need that's been out there for a long time for a lightweight, rear-wheel drive, affordable sports car. Um, we're seeing that the people that are going to want this car are driving enthusiasts all the way up to people who just really love a gorgeous car. Um, the neat thing about having a car this dynamic and this anticipated is when it comes time to market it, you can actually let the market market it for you. So using social media, using uh, grassroots racing events and those type of things, the hype around this car, it really is just really spread kind of virally. I mean, for us, on, when we post on Facebook, you can see instantly the comments, really high engagement from a consumer base. And uh, really, it's going to be the halo car for the brand. So when we do brand campaign marketing and everything, you will see this car really kind of leading the chase for Scion as a brand overall. Scion says FRS stands for front-engined rear-wheel drive sport. But after testing this good-looking two-door, powered by a 200-horsepower Boxer 4, it could stand for fun and really sexy. I'll have a more in-depth look at this car in a future episode of Autoline Daily, so stay tuned for that. Reporting from a desert oasis near Pahrump, Nevada for Autoline Daily, I'm Craig Cole. Thanks for that report, Craig. Well, that wraps up an eventful week of developments in the automotive industry. Thanks for watching, and join us back here again on Monday. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.